praise his name for it. What an amazing weekend we've had together. I know many of you could come some, maybe maybe couldn't come at all, but we've been in a series from Friday night called the Awaken Conference, and it's been a blessing uh, every step of the way, and this morning's our final service uh, of the conference, and we're pleased this morning to have Pastor Thomas Shepherd with us. If you were not here last night, uh, Thomas is the pastor of the Cross Point Baptist Church in Indianapolis, Indiana, so we're thankful to his church uh, for allowing him to be here uh, with us today. Did a great job at our couples conference and then uh, here with us last night. Thomas is my friend. We've been friends for over a decade, and uh, this is a faithful man of God that preaches the word and has a great church, great family. And let's welcome Thomas as he comes to preach this morning. 1 Samuel 26, look at verse number 25. Then Saul said to David, Blessed be thou, my son David. Thou shalt both do great things and also shalt still prevail. So David went on his way and Saul returned to his place. For the next couple of moments, I want us to think about the subject of from mountaintop to valley. From mountaintop to valley. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, thank you. You're so good to us. Thank you, Lord, that we can gather in this place on a Sunday morning and learn about you. Father, would that be our heart's desire to walk out of these doors, not looking more like a church, more like religion, or more like a person, but Father, may we look more like your son, Jesus Christ. Father, I ask, Lord, that you'd give me the boldness to preach and the compassion to teach. Father, may nothing be said in the flesh today, but may everything that comes from your word point us to you. We love you, Savior. In your son's holy and precious name I pray, amen. amen. Have you ever gone through a season of life where it just feels like you are on fire? <laughs> a spiritual time in your life where you are growing, a spiritual time in your life where you feel like, man, I feel like everything is just going right. We have that in our physical life at times. We wake up and we feel good. And we also have that in our spiritual life. You jump in your devotions and, man, it feels like you're just getting something from God. You, you come in and you, you're singing one of these songs that we sang today. And then all of a sudden... The front line begins to sing, and you're thinking, man, God, I've already been singing this song to you, and now I get to do it with my brothers and sisters in Christ. It have been one of those moments where it feels like everything that is said from behind the pulpit, you agree with, and you love, and you have that zeal for God, that on fire, that, that, that prayer life that is just so natural. Understand that being alive in Christ is not something that has to take place during a, a revival or an awakened weekend or once a year or twice a year at Christmas or at Easter or when your pastor is preaching through your favorite book of the Bible. No, understand that being alive in Christ really ought to be living the normal Christian life. The living the normal Christian life is because you and I are taking on attributes of our Savior. Many of you have not met my son, Tommy, yet. 
Uh, Lord willing, we'll get him here one day. He'd love this place. But Tommy is 14 years old. And my son, Tommy, looks like me. He acts like me. I have uh, grew up with seven sisters. There were eight of us in our family. And so you can pray for me later. But I grew up with seven sisters. And once a year, all the shepherds get together. And, and uh, I think there's around 30 grandkids now. And so it, it's just this big uh, get-together. And, and it's so funny because my sisters, when they see my son, it is so funny how many times they rag me and they rag him. My goodness, your son is just like you. Oh my word, he acts like you. He's goofy like you. His, his jokes fall flat just like yours do. And, and he's athletic like you, built like you, good looking like Okay, okay, they don't say that. But there, there is uh, this, this, uh, this image that my son Tommy has. He is like me. How? He's not like you. He's not like Pastor Sam's. He likes my sports teams. He talks like me, walks like me, plays basketball like me, plays soccer like me. He is like me. How is that possible? It's possible because even though we are two different people, my son is around me. And so he begins to pick up my attributes. He begins to pick up my likes and my dislikes. I, a lot of things I haven't told him, uh, but, but Levi, he, he picks up on it naturally. Watch very carefully. The same is true with our Abba Father. Living the normal Christian life is understanding that you and I are going to spend time in his word. You and I are going to sing about him. You and I are going together, and we are going to fellowship around his name. Therefore, the more that you and I are around Jesus Christ, naturally then, the more you and I are going to be like him. Those attributes are going to become, watch the wording here, very natural. That's why the Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse number 9, but ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood and holy nation, listen to the wording here, a peculiar people, that ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. You and I walking the natural, the normal Christian life, we become more like our Savior, but that is not a waste. That's not to say, well, okay, but why are we more like him so then therefore when you and I live our life now we are showing forth not Thomas Shepard not Brian Sams no we are showing forth the attributes of our God if that makes sense today would you say amen that's why the Bible says in Matthew chapter 5 and verse number 16 let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your father which is in heaven the front line, I'm not sure what y'all call it, the choir, the, the four people, the quartet that sang today. Hold on, listen now. They sang today, and if their heart is right, when we come up and say, boy, I'm just telling you, that was an amazing song. Your voice is bland. It's so great. Here's the natural reaction. Praise the Lord. Because we're not showing forth the praises of, look at our voice, look how good we are, look how well we blend. No, no, no. We're showing forth the praises of our Savior. We're giving the glory to Him. There are those times in our life when we're living the normal Christian life that we feel like we have that zeal, that fire. Let me put it this way. We feel like we are on that mountaintop experience with God. Things are going well. Well, in our passage of Scripture, this is where we find David. David is having an incredible day in God. <laughs> David is living that mountaintop experience. 
We know the story of David. If I don't had the time today, I would develop it, but your pastor has many times. We know David's life uh, uh, as he is introduced to us in uh, this passage of scripture, 1 Samuel, and uh, chapter number 16, he has chosen to be the next king. And the amazing thing about that passage is they had totally forgot that David was not there. And, and the prophet asked Jesse, his father, after going through all the sons, I got to anoint one of them to be king. None of them were it. Do you have any more sons? They forgot that David was out in the field. And they come and they bring in David. David is going to be anointed king because in chapter number 15, now hold on, listen, I'll give this quick and we'll move on. But in chapter number 15, uh, the, the king had rebelled against God and, and the prophet steps on the scene and says, because of your rebellion or because of not truly following out God's command, you are no longer going to be king. So chapter number 16, David steps on the scene. He is now anointed king. We see Saul, the king at that time, become jealous and begin to uh, chase David all around the countryside. And we were going to be able to see that in Israel if we were uh, able to go and we're not at this time. But uh, you could still see this, the, the, the spots where David would hide. And so in chapter number 24, David has an opportunity as he's on the run to kill King Saul. He makes his way into a cave and Saul steps in the cave and his men all want David to kill him. But David does not touch the Lord's anointed. Chapter number 25, David continues to grow in God and shows great strength when the prophet, one of his best friends, had passed away. And even though now Samuel is gone, David continues to serve God. In chapter number 26, the chapter now that you and I are in, David is still on the run from Saul. Saul goes down into this valley and he camps with all of his men that are hunting for David. David then sneaks down into the camp that Saul is at with one of his mighty warriors named Abishai. At this time, David and Abishai are where the king Saul is at, the king that wants to kill David. And Abishai speaks unto David and says, David, at this time, why don't you just go ahead and kill him? All of our problems would be over. This would be it. The army will go home. You're already anointed king. Go ahead and kill him. And David's response is, response is really incredible in chapter or verse number 10. Look at it with me. Verse number 10 says, and David said, furthermore, as the Lord liveth, the Lord shall smite him, or his days shall come to die, or he shall descend into battle and perish. Verse number 11 says, The Lord forbid that I should stretch forth mine hand against the Lord's anointed. Now watch very carefully. He says, I'm not going to touch him. This is the Lord's anointed, Abishai. I know that you as a mighty warrior want me to kill him, but I'm not going to. And then we see in verse really uh, number 11 through verses number 19, David takes a spear and he takes a jug of water, a cruise of water from Saul, and he goes back up into the hillside, and then David calls down to Saul. Hey, Saul, this night I could have taken your life, but I did not. <laughs> hey, Saul, let me tell you, I could have on this night killed you, and that would have been it. In fact, to prove it, here is your spear and here is your jug of water. I've got both. I could have taken it. Saul looks up, sees that that night his life could have been ended. 
And Saul makes this statement. Look with me at verse number 21. Then said Saul, I have sinned. Oh, I have sinned. Return my son David. And I'll no more do thee harm because my soul was precious in thine eyes this day. Behold, watch what he says. I played the fool and have erred exceedingly. And David answered and said, Behold the king's spear. Let one of the young men come over and fetch it. And the Lord rendered to every man his righteousness and his faithfulness. For the Lord delivered thee into my hand today, but I would not stretch forth mine hand against the Lord's anointed. Verse number 24. And behold, as thy life was much set by this day in mine eyes, so let my life be much set by in the eyes of the Lord. And let him deliver me out of all tribulation. Now we come to this verse that we just read. And Saul said, blessed be thou my son. You're going to do great things. You're going to prevail. So David went on his way and Saul returned to his place. There is no doubt this is an amazing day. This is a mountaintop experience. You go your way. I'll go mine. That's it. We're going to call peace. You live out your days. I'll live out my days. It's a Disney Hallmark movie ending. They lived happily ever after. That's it. The end. Roll credits. Let's have a word of prayer and we'll all head out for lunch. Not really. It changed real fast. I want you to look at one more verse down, chapter 27, and look at verse number 1. And David said in his heart, check out what he says, what a great day, that was awesome, man, God be praised, this is amazing, I'll go my way, he'll go his, come on, let's hit the golf course. Nope. I shall now perish one day by the hand of Saul. There is nothing better for me that I should speedily escape in the land of the Philistines. And Saul shall despair of me to seek me out any more in any coast of Israel. So shall I escape out of his hand. Hold on, time out. This doesn't look like the David we've been looking at. Is there not a cause? Give me five stones. Take, take out the Goliath. Cut off his head. Great victories. Play in the harp. Uh, evil spirits running. Man, uh, he's, he could have killed the Lord's anointed in two different chapters and didn't. Saul calls up, you go your way, I'll go mine. What a mountaintop experience over and over and over again. Everybody knows David is God's anointed. Everybody knows that he is protected. Everybody knows he is doing and it's going to do great things and yet here is his mindset I'm just going to leave just go join the Philistines that's it there's nothing better for me it's over I quit you talked about mountaintop to valley experience that this is hold on friend this is when we look at this is not just an enigma this is not something unusual no friend when we look at this story can I put it like this you and I also have gone through these same experiences. We've had mountaintop experiences. We've done great things for God. We've seen God's hand. We've seen him move. And then the very 
next day. We're out of our devotions. We're not going to church. We don't want anything to do with God. How many times, preacher, could we name families that once sang up in the choir or once welcomed people in or once helped in the nursery or once sat in these pews, once lifted their hand in praise, once was on fire for God, and now you look at their Instagram or you look at their TikTok or you look at their YouTube channel today and they want nothing to do with God and they want nothing to do with God's people and they're mad at life and they're bitter and they're angry what happened in that person's life that they went from a chapter 26 verse 25 type of motion to a chapter 27 verse number one there's nothing better for me hey friend hold on, hold on. today we're not going to do a case study well here i got their names the boys people used to be really faithful at river city and they're not here anymore so we're going to call them out today no no, no we're not going to do a case study how about this instead of pointing and looking at everybody else why don't we look at our own lives because i'm here to tell you today the bible says take heed lest you fall nobody is above this this man right here is not above a mountaintop to valley experience nobody in this room can say well that'll never be me that'll never happen to me the moment you and I do that is the moment that Satan sneaks in our life and will take you and I out and we'll be the David that's saying well that's it I just got to go back to the world go to the Philistines that's it there's nothing better no hold on how do you and I avoid this mountaintop to valley experience well friend today I want to tell you I may not have all the answers but I know a book that does, and it's laid it out for us very clearly. If you're taking notes or thinking about this, I want you to think about this. Number one, how do we not have this experience? What can we learn? Well, first of all, we learn, number one, there was a lack of prayer. A lack of prayer. Look at verse number one of chapter 27. And David said in his heart... Now, pause right here for a moment. Do you realize that there is no mention of David calling on God, thinking about God or considering God? No, here is David, and David is talking to himself. Hold on, listen, watch this. He came to this conclusion himself. Friend, when you and I start feeling periods of unbelief, we start feeling self-sufficient. You and I in these moments where, where, where we are starting to become into a valley, isn't it amazing the lack of prayer that we see in our lives? You and I realize today we don't have the power to fix all things, but aren't you thankful by an amen that you and I know a God that can, amen? You and I God, serve a God that can. When you give your life to the Lord, you're placing your life in His. You are now the clay in the potter's hands. Now watch, hold on, don't, don't lose me here. That means this, if you're saved today, say amen. How many are thankful to be saved today? Say amen. When we get saved, we're taking our life and we're saying, okay, God, I am placing my life in your hands. And the potter begins to mold our life. He begins to shape us and he begins to use us and he begins to make us in the image that he wants to make us in. Now watch very carefully. You and I have to realize that in the potter's hands, it's not just any ordinary hands. These are the hands that created the universe. And I want to remind you today that our planet is spinning a thousand miles per hour on its axis. A thousand miles per hour. 
We're spinning through space at 66,000 miles per hour. Thousand miles per hour, we're spinning through space at 66,000 miles per hour, and we're making a full rotation. This is how God's designed it every 24 hours. That means even on the days where you feel lazy or you didn't get a lot done or just went and went fishing and man, I just, I don't know if I really accomplished a lot. I want to remind you, even on those days, you still traveled 1.6 million miles through space. Give yourself a big hand right there. I mean, you just, you're awesome. You're amazing. <laughs> and we didn't do anything to keep all that in motion. And God said, now unto him that is able to do exceedingly abundant above all that we are able to ask or think. Hold on, watch now. According to the power that he worketh in us. You see, prayer in our Savior ought to drive us to the realization that he is in control. That means this, say you walk in here and I'm having a relationship problem. Friend, he can't handle it. You have problems hearing from God, then we have to be still and, and know that God is there. We've got sin in our life. Understand that his blood was shed to cover it. Friend, know today that God is in control. That means this, what are we really afraid of? I love today that, that, that we have, and man, I'm telling you, I think it's not just my church. I think every church has some conspiracy theorists in there, and then there's some guys I talk to, and look, it's all right, and it's okay, and I don't mind talking to them, but I have heard it since Y2K, okay? And I think my parents were a little bit in that, but uh, understand, I, I mean, I think we're still eating some canned food from Y2K. The young people are like, what? what's Y2K? Okay, uh, some of you that were there, you, you still have uh, closets packed of ammo and probably portable water. Water that is still in there and I feel like for the last 23 years of my life being 40 that's the world that we live in everybody is just man did you hear I don't know if y'all heard but I've been told here recently that we've had thousands of chicken farms that have just burned to the ground and we've had like 18 or 19 different uh, distribution plants. And boy, just, I think it's the government or uh, our president. Somebody's burning these places around. These are true stories. This is what I'm being told, okay? And, and now 5G, okay? 5G is somehow working out there. And man, it's got control of our bodies and our blood. And it's changing. Every time we talk on the phone, it's changing our brain. And now Israel is in a war. And gas is $3 a gallon. And bread is going to run out. And diesel, I heard this last year, by last September, I heard that it's going to be totally done we have no diesel left we still have diesel and i'm not sure if anybody wrote a retraction on that but i haven't heard of it yet and, and i'm hearing all these things so man i'm just telling you, you better be packing and you if you uh, walmart's got some more ammo in go on up there and, and you know, pick up some more ammo for your sks or or or, or whatever you carry your little nine millimeter and bless god i got a smith and west okay so let's uh, you just you need you got to go out and you got to get, get more get more why fear Pastor, shall I not do all these things? That's between you and God, and, and, and make sure you're tithing. That's all I say. But you, you, just, you just make sure you're tithing, and you go buy all you want to, okay? But watch. But why do we live in such fear? Yeah, that's good. There's a verse in the Word of God. I want you to listen to this. This is so amazing. Watch what it says. So then after the Lord had spoken unto them, watch this, he was received up into heaven and sat on the right hand of God. So, so here's the picture. God's received up, and here is our Savior. 
while all the chicken farms are burning down and we've lost all these manufacturing plants and some 4,000 cows out in the field just fell over dead and, and, and gas is astronomical and we're running out of ammunition and the, the government's trying to pass this law and this law. Here, here's, here is our God. sitting on the right hand of God yeah. not oh my goodness poor man I didn't see God coming why oh, I didn't even know that they can't even figure out their genders now this is unbelievable I don't I even know what I'm gonna how I just did not when I died on the cross maybe I should have waited and I, I just think it was the wrong time no 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 that's not our God here's yeah. our God hey. he's got it all under control Amen. And when you and I start to realize that our prayers talk to that God, he is not too busy, he is not worried about Israel, he is not stressed out. In fact, we know the word of God, we win in the end. Go to Revelation, come to the Bible study that your pastor is going through. You begin to realize this isn't up in the air, this isn't are the Jags going to beat the Colts today, we don't know, no. We know in the end Christ wins, that's it, period, it's done. And if you and I could begin to realize now, now, that we have the same power in us when it comes to buying air conditions for a building or trying to add on or start new church plants if you and I could realize that the God of heaven is there and he's there to help us it begins to bring out this boldness in us and bold prayers honor God and God honors bold prayers and God isn't offended for Christian by your boldest prayers or your biggest dreams he is offended by anything less and if you're your prayers aren't impossible to you they are insulting to God why because they do not require divine intervention but just ask God to part the Red Sea or make the Sun stand still or float an iron axe head and God has moved to omnipotent action there is nothing that God loves more than fulfilling his promises and answering prayers and performing miracles and fulfilling dreams it's who he is that's what he does for us no, 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 I'm sorry. We're not just going to talk about prayer. I'm talking about when is the last time we spoke to God? Well, I did, you know, this morning. I know, dear God, thank you for the food. Jesus said, I'm praying that. No, I'm talking about if we're not talking to him, we're going from a mountaintop to a valley. Pastor, a uh, young man I went to the Lord. Your pastor is a soul winner. You're, there's so many in this room that have been led by your pastor, many others, and I just want to tell you, your faithfulness is an encouragement to me. I went this guy to the Lord, and man, he was, he, he was primed, ready, get saved, young man. And uh, we get done, and he's received Christ, we're talking, we're rejoicing, we're both crying. <laughs> Levi, this is so cool. And we get done, and I said, hey, why don't, we're, we're done in here. Why don't we just be dismissed in a word of prayer? Why don't you just why don't you just go ahead? Why don't you dismiss us? He looks at me and he says, Pastor, I'm, I, I don't know how to pray. I never, I, I guess I just never thought about it. You guys never prayed. I said, Well, you just pray, yeah, you've been in church, you've been. I, I'm just trying to give this like theology on prayer. So we bow our heads and we close our eyes, and here's this young man just received Christ. Here's what he says. Here's what he says. True story. Um, hi, God. It's me. Yeah. And let me tell you, I started bawling. 
Um, yeah. Hi, God. It's me. Yeah. In that moment, I realized in that room, this young man was talking to God more than I had in years. My little made-up prayers, my little sound good, my little sound bites. No, no. This guy was talking to God. I think it's time for some of us in this room, we start to have a, uh, hi, God, it's me. We haven't spoken a while. Mm. I haven't talked to you the way that I should. I've been ignoring you lately, but God, it's me, your son. It's me, your daughter. I need you. Whether you're in a valley or a mountaintop, the first sign that you can see when you're beginning to go in a direction you don't want to go in is, number one, a lack of prayer. But number two, would you write this down? There was a lazy conclusion. Number two, a lazy conclusion. Look at verse number one of chapter 27. Watch what the Bible says. And David said in his heart, and he's like a prayer, I shall now perish one day by the hand of Saul. Look at the, look at the lazy conclusion. There is nothing better for me. You see, when we're living a life that is not dependent on God, a lack of prayer, we are going to reach bad conclusions. Hold on, watch now. When our heart is concentrated on life's problems, at that moment our view becomes distorted. There was a time in my life with my wife and uh, Pastor and Angie, were, you remember that whole, our first home in Beckley, West Virginia? You came up at Christmas and we spent some good time together. We had this little brick home, but at that time we had one, we have five kids now. We had one son. Tommy is now 14 years old, but Tommy at a very young age, just it's the only kid, at about six months old, he had allergic reaction to some medication and, and it destroyed his immune system. When it destroyed his immune system, Tommy developed what many would call like an extreme case of eczema or psoriasis. It was just, it was called another scientific name that was the worst of the worst. And when I say just very grotesque for years, we battled this in my son's life. In fact, you know, we he headed off to first grade. Tommy was given special permission from the principal to be able to leave class, to go in the classroom as, as a first grader and change his socks because his skin, he would bleed through his socks. And he was horribly embarrassed from it. So he'd go in and halfway through the day, he'd change his socks. And I remember Tommy, about uh, eight months old, we had seen every kind of doctor. We had, we had traveled West Virginia, spending thousands of dollars on creams and, and shots and different diets and uh, all kinds of, from goat's milk to uh, uh, all kinds of essential oils. We, we, we did everything for this young child. And nothing was working. And I remember one day walking in, as I often did before I headed off to church. I walked in, and there was my wife. And she had Tommy out of his crib. And again, I don't mean to be gross, but as I walked in and looked at the crib, I realized very quickly, sheets just covered, it looked like a horror story, just, just sheets covered in blood. But it was something different on this day. My wife up to this point had been an incredible trooper, strong, many of you know Carrie, strong background, strong woman, just, just has overcome a lot in her life. But on this day, when I walked in, there was a tear coming down her cheek. 
I don't know, guys, if you've ever been in a situation before where you really didn't know what to say, but I didn't know what to say. What did I say? What did I say, preacher? Yeah. Come on, honey, bless God. It's going to be tough. We've got another appointment. Now let's trust the Lord. You got it. Give her a sermon right there on the spot. I, I honestly, watching her hold our baby with a washcloth, wiping off his bloody legs and his bloody arms, I, I, I was speechless. And in that moment, I am ashamed to say that I did not have a good attitude. In that moment, it wasn't a proverbial fist in the air, mad at God, but there was a thought, God, I serve you. God, I've hazarded my life to be in ministry. I sow in, I knock doors, I lead a congregation, I've given my life to you, and I've, I've begged you to heal my son. God, what, what have I done to, what has he ever done to deserve this disease in his life? As this is going through my mind, I finally made my way out to my wife. She looks up at me, a speechless, helpless husband. I'll never forget. She looks at me and said, I sure am glad I have a son. I sure am glad I have a son. I was fixing my eyes on all the problems. I was fixing my eyes on, on the blood, and I was fixing my eyes on his future life. And here is my wife fixing her eyes on the blessing of having and raising a son that she loves so much. And friend, may I say, what your focus is in life is going to become your reality. What you focus on, the problems, that's going to become the life that you live. And there are many in this room today that you're coming to lazy conclusions because you have a lack of prayer. You're looking at the, oh, woe is me. And you're looking at the, there's nothing better for me. And why is this happening to me? And oh, why is everybody else being blessed and I'm not? And oh, why? Why, is, why am I going through this? And why has God allowed this to happen? When you and I ought to be saying, I sure am thankful that I have breath in my lungs. And I'm thankful that I'm able to worship. And I'm thankful I'm able to sing. And I'm thankful for my family. And I'm thankful for my country. And I'm thankful that I, I'm allowed to live another day for my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And if you and I would realize today, this world does not revolve around you. And it doesn't revolve around me. But it does revolve around the king and it does revolve around our savior and if you and I would stop getting to this place we're saying oh well I, uh, here's my conclusion well I sure would serve but I, I've done my time I sure would serve but you know what I've, I, I've kind of gotten to a place where we need to let the younger generation kind of step in and I'm just going to sit back relax and, and hold on whoa whoa time out who gave you that conclusion Hey, let, let, me, let me tell you something for the elderly that are in this room. This is not a young person church. This church is for you. Don't come to a place. I, I, I've had people in my life say, well, the young people, you ever heard this preacher? Well, the young people, they're just, they're just putting me out to pasture. You came to that conclusion by yourself. Right. Nobody told yeah, you that. Don't, don't come to this place, well, these, these young bucks on the scene, well, they're just they're taking over newfangled ideas and this and this. I guess we'll just sit back, relax, and wait for the Lord to come back. You, you didn't pray about that decision. That's right. That's right. 
Let me tell you, we need you. This is not a us versus them. This is generations coming together for the glory of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. That, 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 well, well, I, I just, I just don't have any need for me anymore. But let me, let me help you out. You might not have as much strength as you used to. And you might not be able to run around. You probably can't even step on the pulpit up on the platform like this. But let me put it this way. That doesn't mean that you're put out to pasture. We still need your wisdom. We still need your love. We still need you to step down and look at that couple who's going through marriage problems and say hey we also went through marriage problems but you stick it out in the Lord's name and for the sake of your children and the sake of your marriage you're gonna be okay at the young couple that's going through financial problems and they don't have the 401k that you have they don't have the retirement you just say hey you just keep giving to the Lord you just watch right. him bless your life Sir. you have to step back and realize you are needed in this place can somebody say amen right there no, you're needed. Lazy goes, well, just nobody needs me. Hey, hold on, hold on. Well, why is he picking on all the old people? Well, number one, I'm 40 years old and I have grace. I feel like I'm getting more in that category now. But let me, let me, let's be fair. Hey, young people. Yeah. What are you waiting on? Right. No, 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 no. Well, yeah, the old people. Well, they just, they just don't want us to do anything. They don't want us to have cool lights. And they, they just want stained glass. And the, oh, y'all actually have stained glass. I'm totally joking. Okay. They, they just want, they just, they just want, <laughs> actually, that's cool now. I'm not making fun of anybody. But uh, uh, they just, they just, they, they don't, hold on, tell me. You, you know why the old people are stepping up? Because the young people aren't. Yeah. Right. Busy, busy, busy. <laughs> and, that, and that's the thing that, hey, can you help out? No, well, I sure would. But boy, we're just, we're just so busy. Busy, busy, busy. And can I tell you, every teenager in here is busy. Can you help out? No, I'm just so busy. Busy. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure. Open up that Red Bull and playing PlayStation all night has just got you just, your schedule's just plumb full, isn't it? Now look, I'm not making fun of you, but I'm saying this. Step up. Well, yeah. no, no. You, you do realize the Lord is coming back. Are you on a nursery schedule? Have you volunteered to sing? When's the last time we just walked up and said, hey, preacher, I don't care if I'm picking up trash in the parking lot or weed eating around or, or pulling weeds or, or painting a sign. But, Pastor, we're, we're, we just want to help. Where can we dig in? A lazy conclusion says, hey, I, I'll do it one day. When I, when I hit your age, Brother Shepherd, that's when I'll step up. Can I just tell you, you came to that conclusion all by yourself. A lazy conclusion, listen very carefully, ladies and gentlemen, a lazy conclusion says, you know what, I didn't do right in the past, or I was hurt, or, or, or ministry hurt me, or, or, or somebody hurt me, or let me put it this way, I sinned, and, and so therefore, I, I'm just not qualified. <laughs> you came to that conclusion by yourself, right. and it's actually very lazy. I truly believe that if... Jesus had one shot at fixing us. He'd tell us how much he loves us. Yeah. I think in my life that Jesus loves me so much right now that he is not standing up in heaven 
uh, saying, Thomas, I'm ashamed of you, and Thomas, I can't believe it, and Thomas, where is your faith, and good grief, son, I'm, all this time and effort, I'm so ashamed that you're even my son, and the times that I failed him, no, I know that my Savior is down in the muck of life with me, and he's not just walking beside me, most of the time he's carrying me through because I'm a weak Christian at times, and can I tell you, friend, you're, you're not done in ministry, no, 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 don't you come and, well, I did this, or I sinned here, let me help you out today for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God there is not a perfect person in this place don't come to this conclusion well I guess there's nothing else better for me out there I guess I'll just I'm just done I guess I'll just kind of sit back and be bitter no go through the circumstance better but don't lose your talking with God and please don't come to a lazy conclusion number three and I'm done this morning this road or journey from mountaintop to valley, first of all, is a lack of prayer, lazy conclusion, and I'll hurry through this one, Pastor, but number three, I want you to look. There's also a looking for relief. Look at verse number one in verse chapter 27. The Bible says this. David said in his heart, lazy prayer, I shall not perish one day by the hand of Saul. There's nothing better for me, lazy conclusion. That I, watch now, and that I should speedily escape in the land of the Philistines. Yeah, because there Saul's not going to chase me. He's not going to seek me in the coast of Israel. So I shall escape out of his hand. Did you notice what he said in looking for relief? He said, I should speedily escape into the land of the Philistines, and Saul shall despair of me. David said this, okay, I, I can't do this anymore. There's nothing else better for me, but... I got to have some relief. So he turns to the Philistines, the world. He runs back to the enemy. The problem is when you chase short-term relief, it's just that. It's short-term. Only God has the power to fix our life. And there are many today that you and I know in the world we live. Listen, now watch it. I'm, I'm almost done. Watch out. <laughs> Everybody's looking for relief. I can say in a room full like this that there are many in our churches today, they're searching for an identity. They want, hey, teenagers, they want an identity. They're looking. They're scrambling. They're looking for, for relief, and so now it's maybe I can draw attention, and I can change my gender, or, or, or I can go into something that will draw attention, and I can, look, the major problem today that we're seeing with our youth is, is cutting themselves, and, and, and looking for, I, I gotta have relief somewhere, so you know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna run to the world, I'm gonna search, I'm gonna look, Some, somebody's gonna say, man, we love you. Somebody's gonna say, hey, join our group, we'll accept you. Somebody's gonna say, hey, hey, I, you, just, you just come on over here, we don't care what the old Bible says, and, and don't you worry about that. You do what you want. You be you. Be all in. Just, just do it. Hold on, watch now. Before we make fun, let's realize everybody's looking for relief. The problem with Christianity is at times there are those that look for relief in other people. 
If I can just pastor please this crowd, if I can, if I can just be over here, if I can just live up to their standards, if I can, if I could just live up to their preference, if they can just look at me and say, hey, you do what I do and, and then I'll be proud of you. But but friend, let me put it this way. At times there will be people that make you feel tired and dirty and ashamed and, and unable to meet their expectations. But oh, how God makes us feel the opposite. God is madly in love with you and his love is not altered by who you are or where you've been or who you've been around he wants you and I to drop our defenses and to accept his embrace he doesn't want us for what we can do he wants you and I for who we are and we have to stop looking for joy looking for relief looking for peace looking for vacation looking for a group to accept us looking to sin looking to religion no let's start looking to Christ let's start looking to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, the one that said, hey, listen, casting all your cares upon me, for I care for you. You know what that means? Hold on, watch that, I'm done. It means you and I giving our cares to him. You know what the word casting means? Literally. You, you fish in here, you know that casting, that take it, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cast it out, Dog, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fish, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pull it, casting. This word here in our New Testament literally means the same thing. Casting. Here is my care. Here's my lazy conclusion. Here is my bill I cannot pay. Here is the person that is mad at me. Here is the boss that was mean. Here is religion that hurt me. Here is, here is, here is my care. This is my care. And here's what Jesus said. Casting all your care. You know what that means? Taking it and casting it. Right. Casting it. Why? Because he cares for us. Right. No, no, time out. <laughs> but here's Thomas Shepard. I'm going to give it to you, God, and give that to you. The Lord just going to keep pressing forward. Bless God. Get under the spout where the glory comes out. We're just going to keep moving on. There it is, God. There's my problems. But you know what? Honestly, Lord, if we talk about it, what, what are you going to do with it? No, you're right, you're right. Casting all your care. There it is, God. Okay, I'm not going not gonna to come back. Get in the car, radio comes on. I just can't get over this, God. How in the world am I? And God says, no, no, no. You give it to me and move on with your life. Well, God, what are you going to do? He's God. <laughs> He's God. We don't know what we, we know what he ought to do with it. Yeah, we can come up with different ways. But he said, vengeance is mine. I will repay, saith the Lord. It is his give it to him if you're sitting here today and i don't know your story and i don't know your background i don't know what you're going through but i will tell you this you will never find relief in the world you will never find relief searching every area you can there's a book called ecclesiastes that already goes into it vanity of vanity saith the preacher all is vanity you know what that means it's not life is nothing say well wow brother shepherd that sure is encouraging well understand this the bible says the wages of sin is death but the gift of god don't you love that word gift but the gift of god is eternal life through jesus christ our lord the bible says but god commendeth his love toward us and that yet while we were yet sinners christ died for us right. yeah but pastor you don't know my background you don't know where i've been you don't 
I've been in prison, I've been divorced several times, man, I, my, I, my whole fridge is full of liquor, and I was drunk last night, and to be honest with you, I feel uncomfortable even being in this room right now, and I don't know if I really fit in. Let me tell you this, this is exactly where you need to be. Yeah. Hungover or not, I have, a, I have a message for you, and that is, Jesus loves you. Yeah. Bible says, for whosoever, you know what that word whosoever means? Anybody, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, I don't know if I've done all that, but I am a pretty good person. Congratulations, but that will not get you to heaven. Yeah, but I gave, you know, $300 towards the air conditioning. Great, why didn't you give 3000 See, it has nothing to do, no, no. Look at me. Look, I'm dressed up and I shined my shoes this morning and I sang every verse up there. And man, I'm gonna, Pastor, I'm gonna get involved. And man, I'm just, I'm just, look at me. Look at, look what I've done. Look at, look at, look. And Christ says, Great. All of that is filthy rags. What? What do you mean? For by grace are ye saved through faith. Isn't that not of yourselves? It is a gift of God. Hold on, not of works, lest any man should boast. If we're going to boast today, we're going to boast because of the cross of Jesus Christ. When God sent his only begotten son and he came and he, they did not take his life, he willingly gave his life and he stretched out his arms and he cried out, it is finished. And the perfect lamb of God was slain. And you know why he was slain? For you and for me. And I don't know if you're here today and you're just about to call it quits. Your lazy conclusion was, in, even in a Baptist church, this is not unusual. For this week, somebody had said, I'm done. Yeah. Nobody loves me. I felt like just calling an end to my life. Well, friend, you put that foolishness out of your heart right now. Because Jesus in heaven is calling out saying, give your life to me because I gave mine for you and I love you. How many in this room need a, hi God, it's me. How many of us need not a conclusion of, oh why, why me? No, I sure am glad I have a son. How many are looking for relief in this room right now? Can't believe I'm in this condition, God. Can't believe I'm this age and I feel like I haven't accomplished much. And I just feel like my friends are all ahead. And I feel like I don't know what I'm going to do. Do I go to college? Do I not? Do I, do I jump in? Do I, do I write this check? Do I, I just, I, I got to have some relief. Then, then, then turn off the Fox News and hear for a little bit. Yeah. And let's hit an altar together yeah. as a family. And let's not go from mountaintop to valley, or if you're in a valley, start going from that valley to a mountaintop, because it is the normal Christian life. He's waiting. He's talking. Now let's hear from him, and let's talk back. With every head bowed and with every eye closed, and no one looking around this morning. With every head bowed and with every eye closed, no one looking around this morning. Pastor, I'm going to have you come. Amen. Amen, guys. The message was so clear today. I want to ask you two things real quick. One, 
you heard at the end of that message a plain and clear presentation of what it means to know for certain that if you died, you'd be on your way to heaven and that you have a relationship with Christ, not by works, not by what you do, only through Christ. Only through Christ. Whoever will call upon his name will be saved. I want to encourage you to do that right now. If you're here and you have never trusted Christ as your Lord and Savior, right now in your heart, right before God, call on his name. In your heart right now, you can form a prayer. Jesus says, call on my name. That means you pray, you ask. Right here, right now, you can ask him. Ask him to save you right now. Just do it. You say, I don't know what to say. Say something like this. In your heart right now, say something like this. Dear God, I know I'm a sinner. I cannot save myself. But I believe in Jesus Christ. I believe he died and rose again. And right here and right now, I accept him as my only Lord and Savior. Thank you for loving me. Help me never to be ashamed of you. Friend, listen, that's a prayer I guarantee you that God will hear. And if you just prayed it, he did hear. He did hear. And he makes you a promise today. If you just prayed that prayer and you meant it and you're glad you did, here's what he says. I just saved you. You couldn't do it on your own. You had to ask me, and I did it. And I wonder if there's anybody across this room, young, old, man, woman, boy, girl, first-time guest, member, doesn't matter. And you'd say, preacher, I just prayed that prayer. I meant it, and I'm so glad that I did. Today I have asked Jesus to be my Savior, and I am thankful. If that's you, would you just lift your hand? Would you say, that's me, preacher, I did Just lift your hand, and I'll pray with you. I'll pray with you. We'll rejoice with you. How many of you would say this, preacher, I'm already saved, but I needed something in that message. And I've been coming to some wrong conclusions, and God spoke to my heart, and I need that moment of, God, it's me. How many of you say that? Just lift your hand with me. My goodness, I know I needed the message. Let's stand to our feet. Church, look. Look, we're going to worship But we're going to pray. We don't always do this. We do not always do this. But today, I think we need to. I think we need to come down to this altar with our families, by ourselves if we need to. And we need to get on our knees here and say that simple prayer. Hi, God. It's me. Let's talk. Hi, God. It's me. Let's talk. Done with the wrong conclusions. I'm coming to you. Let's do that. Let's all come as we sing and uh, speak the name of Jesus and pray over your situation. So let's come as they sing and let's pray around this altar this morning.